Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. See that 60-year-old running up the steps this morning? That's what I'm talking about. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor here at New Life. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're here. And what that was all about is I turned 60 on Wednesday. Seems like 59, but a couple days older, I don't know. But anyway, no problem. We're in the middle of this series. Actually, it's sort of the front end of a five-week series. We're in the second week, and it's called, as you saw, The Holy Spirit Deeper not weirder. And Pastor Brad and I kicked off the, ser- the series last week preaching together. And during that message, I said that for 33 years, I had been having this debate within myself about the Holy Spirit. And then I talked to you about how I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was a teenager. And then I said that I had struggled, you know, for a long time with not teaching the whole counsel of God about the Holy Spirit, because we want to teach the whole counsel of God from the Word of God here at New Life. And uh, this internal debate was finally resolved by a careful study of Scripture. And, uh, and it took a long time. So back in 2007, 10 years ago, we preached this series called Living in the Spirit. And then again in 2010 and then again in 2014. And now we've repackaged it as Deeper Not Weirder for this year because the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. In fact, as I said last week, you know, I use this illustration that it's still the same illustration as last week, you know, that after you leave here, you'll go out and there'll be a new car in the parking lot for each of you, which there really won't be, but, but the illustration was, there would be, and it would be filled up with gas and have, you know, everything it needed except for the ignition key. And the ignition key, the power source is the Holy Spirit. And actually, we're going to make that illustration go a little bit farther. We're going to say the Holy Spirit is not only the power source, but he's the fuel that keeps us going as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the best things that can ever happen to a preacher is for him to practice what he preaches. It's good for him, but it's also good for the church that um, you know, is listening when he preaches week to week. It's good for the family that he's part of, but I think it's especially good for the community where that preacher lives because there are people in the community who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, and they're always watching, and they're especially watching the preachers. And, uh, and so if that person lives like Jesus, that's a good thing because here's what happens out there in the world. People watch us, all of us as Christians, and when we don't act like Jesus, you know what they do? It's not fair, but they say there's something wrong with Jesus. In fact, that, that's what uh, up on the screen it says, when we, uh, when we who claim to be Jesus' followers don't live as he lived and calls us to live, folks draw the wrong conclusion that Jesus to blame. He's the one that's to blame, that either he isn't God or what he doesn't have any power, Right? Many have even concluded in this day that Jesus wasn't perfect because nobody has ever seen anybody who follows Jesus be perfect. And so whether you're a preacher or a teacher, a business person, whether you're a student, whether whatever you do or whatever you are, when you're out there in the world, wherever you're living and moving and having your being on a daily basis, people are watching. And what I've said for many years, many times over here at New Life is the distance between who we are you know, as people, and the Jesus we claim to follow, that's the hypocrisy factor in our lives. You know, Jesus was like this. He practiced what he preached 100% of the time. And we're not going to do that because we're not Jesus. But what we can do is we can move closer and closer and closer to reflecting Jesus when we have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this series is all about. Last weekend, whenever we looked at that illustration 
about the power source. I wanted us to understand, you know, we can know all the information there is to know about Jesus, but we're never going to be like Jesus without that power source. And so today, we're going to look into that a little more deeply. And uh, after we receive the Holy Spirit, what happens is we have power that we never had before. In fact, the Christian life isn't hard uh, to understand. It's hard to live sometimes, but it's not hard to understand. There's a God who created everything in the universe. And he, he loved us so much that when we turned away from him, that he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life so that we could, um, in his place, be made uh, whole, free, uh, sinless, really. I mean, God looks at us and sees Jesus. So all you have to do is, number one, you have to admit that you're not who you should be, that I'm not who I should be. We're sinners. And then we have to trust that there's this God who has a son who loves us. And then we have to repent. The Bible calls the word repent, which simply means to turn around, come back to him, and receive the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for us. It's, it's so simple. But then after all of that, we need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about all five weeks in this series. And last week, we started by talking about the promise of the Father. When Jesus rose from the dead, he told the disciples who were remaining, 11 of them, plus some other people that were in the room when Jesus showed up after he had risen from the dead the first evening, and he said, I am going to send you the promise of my Father. And we're going to look at this promise again today. I said last week, Pastor Brad and I said last week that we were going to spend two weeks sort of laying the groundwork for this whole concept of the Holy Spirit's work and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then the last three weeks of the series, we're going to actually give you the opportunity, if you want to, to come forward and to pray to be filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit. But so today's take-home point is going to be a reminder of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives and how that process works. So um, for those of you who are new, and I know I've, I met some new folks tonight, we're, or tonight, today. Uh, we're glad that you're here. And, and I know that you might not understand a take-home point is the one point that we seek to make in our messages and to take home and then to live them out in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's the take-home point today. Spirit-filled people wait, receive power, and then go. So let's turn right to the Word of God and see what I'm talking about there when it comes to this take-home point of wait, receive power, and go. Um, and again, we're going to hear Jesus talk once again about this promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And uh, let's put that uh, scripture up on the screen. If you look at the very first statement, it says, in one of these meetings. One of what meetings? Well, in the book of Acts, which Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and then he wrote Acts. And in the book of Acts, he's telling at the very beginning about Jesus after he rose from the dead, he had meetings for 40 days. Not every day, but many days he met with the disciples. And in one of those meetings, that's what he's talking about. This is what happens. As he, Jesus, was eating a meal with them, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. There's that promise again. Remember, I've told you about this before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? The Father sets those dates, he replied, and they are not for you to know. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It was not long after he said this that he was taken up into the sky while they were watching, and he disappeared into a cloud. As they were straining their eyes to see him, two white-robed men suddenly stood there among them. 
They said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven. And someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this good news. It is good news that you promised to send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told us twice about this promise after he rose from the dead. We thank you that today that promise has been fulfilled. And we're going to talk about that today. But God, we want to give you all the praise and the glory for being one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Father, that you created us. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who redeemed us, paid the purchase price of our freedom. And we thank you for your spirit. And now we pray your spirit would fill us all, God, that we might hear your word in this word from from your Bible and that we might live it out in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you and I know something is important and we want people to remember it, what do we do? We repeat it, right? I mean, I have said many times, repetition is the mother of learning. Why are we doing this series for the, you know, 2007, 2010, 2014, 2017? It's that important. We want people to understand this. Well, Luke, as I said, had written the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and he intended for them to be read together. In fact, when they put the Bible together, you know, there were many different authors. Luke got separated from Acts. There's John in the middle. If you have your Bible, you know it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. But really, it's Luke, Acts. They're together. And in, in both the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, Luke tells us about this promise. That's how important it is. And remember last week in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, we read this. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So the father promised the Holy Spirit. And now again in in Acts chapter 1, which we just read together, we read this statement. Jesus said in one of those meetings as he was eating a meal with them, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you what he promised. Remember, I have told you about this before. So this is a very, very important thing because if we don't have the key or the fuel for our car, we can't go anywhere. What, what Jesus is telling the disciples, what he told them the first time he saw them after he rose from the dead, and what he's telling them, which turns out to be one of the last times he saw them before he goes back to heaven, is how important it is for you to wait Until the Holy Spirit comes. Because without the Holy Spirit, there's no power for living the life that Jesus died and rose again so that we could live. Now, when Jesus told the disciples this, they didn't get it. In fact, they probably didn't understand, even in that moment, that Jesus was leaving pretty soon. He had told them that after he rose from the dead, he was going back to heaven. But they didn't understand. In fact, we know that whenever he told them about this promise of the Holy Spirit, they didn't question him about the promise. What they questioned him about was the kingdom, about the coming kingdom of God. Most of the Israelites believed that whenever the Messiah came, that he was going to restore Israel to its former greatness. In fact, this, in this era, they believed that the, that the Messiah would overthrow the Romans And Israel would become the pivotal nation on the planet once again. And and so that's what they wanted to talk about. You know, Jesus had risen from the dead, which is a great feat of power, God's power. And and now Jesus is talking about this promise, this Holy Spirit. He's talking about more power. And and so they they asked him a, a very important question. And the question was going to be, are you going to restore the kingdom now? And the the thing is. All of those believers were Jews. 
before they became believers in Jesus Christ. All the disciples were Jews. And when they received the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, um, there were actually not just 11 of them. You know, Judas had died. But there were 120 of them. They were all Jews. And all the people that heard the message the first day, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, um, those people were all Jews. And 3,000 of them trusted. So some of the early believers thought that the message of salvation was just for the Jews. In fact, if you're not a Jew, then you don't have a chance. But we need to understand something. I'm going to jump a little bit ahead from from Acts chapter 2 all the way to Acts chapter 10. And this is what happened. Peter, one of the 12, or 11 I should say, you know, who had received the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. he He was actually praying and God showed him a vision three times that sort of got him ready to understand that that Jesus had a bigger plan than just for the Jews to know him. And, And so a guy came, actually several people came to the house where Peter was staying and said, we want you to come and visit Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman centurion a Gentile, a non-Jew. It would have been illegal for Peter to even walk into the house of Cornelius from the standpoint of what the Jews thought because he would become unclean. But Peter listened because he knew the Holy Spirit was telling him this. And here's what happened. As Peter was in the house telling them about Jesus, it says, while Peter was still seeking Uh, Speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came, and and literally in this Greek it says the Holy Spirit fell, and on all those who heard the message. And the circumcised believers, that's the Jewish believers who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So the Jewish believers were there with Peter. And when they saw the Holy Spirit coming down, and the reason they knew it was is because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. So they had received the Holy Spirit just like they had, all the Jewish believers had on the day of Pentecost. And they're like, wow. God has a bigger plan than we ever imagined. And so it's a good thing because most of us in the room, maybe all of us in the room, were Gentiles when we were born. That means we weren't Jews. And so the the good news of Jesus Christ is for everybody. And that's what Jesus showed them um, through sending the Holy Spirit um, to Cornelius and all of the folks who were Gentiles. And um, what Jesus said in preparing the way for this promise to come is, is a very controversial statement. He said this, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The phrase baptized with the Holy Spirit has caused great division in the church of Jesus Christ over the past 2,000 years. What was Jesus talking about? Well, really quickly, we need to understand that there are basically four kinds of baptism mentioned in the New Testament. There is the baptism of John, which is a baptism for repentance. And then there's the baptism into Christ, which is actually it just means that we're born again. And then there is the baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. And then there's the baptism in or with water. And so the first baptism, the baptism of John, we don't need that baptism because John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus. Whenever he was preaching, he said, repent, turn away from your sins because the kingdom of God is at hand. And the way they showed they were repenting was they were baptized. Well, we don't need that because Jesus came. So the second baptism, the baptism into Christ, what that simply means is when we're born again, We get how much of God? All of God, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit. But even though we do, Jesus tells us, not me, but Jesus says that there's this other baptism with the Holy Spirit 
And that's the one we're talking about during these five weeks. And then finally, there's the baptism that all disciples are called to have once they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord as a way of showing their obedience to Jesus. And a step, first really step of obedience is to be baptized in water. And you know, there are nations in the world, if you're baptized in water, it's a capital offense. You can be put to death because you got baptized in water because that's a public statement that you are now following Jesus. So understand how important it is for that. So we're not really talking about baptisms, but we needed to understand that there are those baptisms. And Jesus is not talking about water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is Jesus saying this is happening soon. And we have no doubt that the baptism with the Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke of came 10 days later on the day of Pentecost for those first believers. But here's the question. Is that still available to us today? Well, let me uh, respond to that question by looking at the two questions that we said we were going to keep reflecting on during the course of this series. You know, Brad and I talked about them last week at the end of the message. The first question was, is the Bible true? And the answer to that question is still yes. The Bible is still true. And I said last week, you know, that when we look into the Bible, we here at New Life see the Word of God. This is the very Word of God. We believe that. Now, it's true whether we believe it or not, but, but it isn't true in your life until you respond to it and you believe in it. You know, you have to apply it in your life before it becomes true in the truest sense for your life. And then the second question is, does the Holy Spirit ever stop working? Has the Holy Spirit ever stopped working? Well, No. We said that last week, and Pastor Brad gave an explanation about how sort of uh, uh, real, not unrealistic it is to assume that the Holy Spirit stopped working. But what we know from the book of Acts is on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Then to Peter and Cornelius, the Holy Spirit came. Then a little while later to Saul, who became Paul, the Holy Spirit came. And then to a group of Samaritans, a group of Ephesians, all over the place, whenever people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit came and baptized them. And the evidence was typically that they spoke in a different language that they had never spoken before. So as this whole thing is unfolding and Jesus is telling them what's going on, now these being Jews, they're more concerned about the kingdom being restored than they are about this promise, as wonderful as the promise might have been. And so here's what they said. We read it. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? But Jesus wasn't here the first time to restore the kingdom. He was here to set us free from sin and death and to give us the power to live this new life. And so what he said was, the Father sets those dates, and they're not for you to know. So Jesus was not talking about political power when he said, you're going to receive power. That's what the... That's what the disciples assume. He was talking about spiritual power. And I don't know if you realize this, but spiritual power is far more important than political power. Because political power is only for this age. But spiritual power is for this age and for eternity. So the next thing that, that um, Jesus did was establish what was going to really happen next. He said, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus offers us a simple formula when it comes to carrying out his mission on the earth, right? Wait, receive power, go. We can't go to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, which for us is Saxonburg, you know, western Pennsylvania, then Pennsylvania, then the United States, and then the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus and the great salvation that he offers until we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what we say has no power 
until the power of the Holy Spirit is giving those words life in the hearts and minds and spirits and souls of people. So remember, when we receive the Holy Spirit for the first time is, as I already said, when we come to know Jesus, surrender our life and are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. But what Jesus is saying is, but now there's something more that we need. And we don't look for that um, Holy Spirit to come on us in power so that we can have this experience of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people, that's what they want. I want the experience of the Holy Spirit. I want to feel the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to have this gift of tongues and all of those things. Those are fine, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. So the Spirit comes so that we can offer the gospel to a hurting and dying world, so that we can go out there and we can do things that we could never do in our own power, so that people will believe. Remember back when I said about the hypocrisy factor? When they see us living like Jesus, they're going to know that's not us, especially if they've known us. They're going to know that there's something inside of us that's different and that something is the power of the Holy Spirit. So the last thing we find out about the Holy, baptism in the Holy Spirit or the coming of the promise of God to his people in today's scripture is Jesus left this world so the Holy Spirit could come. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit would come. I don't know about you, but I would have been really excited about the power of the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit coming, about going out and telling people about Jesus, right up to the point where I realized, wait a minute, if the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus is leaving? I mean, Jesus had left them one time on the cross. He died, and they, put, they saw him being put in a, in a tomb, and they thought their lives were over. And then he came back to life, and they're like, yes, Jesus is with us. And he'd been with them for 40 days, and you know, they had already they, they had, had an experience like nobody, none of us have ever had. Nobody except those people who were there those 40 days ever had. The resurrected Jesus was with them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, but I'm leaving. In fact, even though he said that, and he said it actually before he died, that he would be leaving so the Holy Spirit would come, they could not have expected that this is what would happen. We read it. It was not long after Jesus said that, that he was taken up into the sky while they were watching, and he disappeared into a cloud. As they were straining their eyes to see him, two white-robed men suddenly stood there among them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, and someday, just as you saw him go, he will return. I have never seen anyone ascend into heaven. Did anybody here ever see somebody ascend into heaven? You know, I mean, I'm picturing that if I were there, if you were there, we'd probably be doing the same thing, right? We'd be looking up in the sky going, where'd he go? Where'd he go? How'd that happen? What, you know? And while that's going on, suddenly two people, white-robed people stand next to them. We assume angels, right? And you realize most of the time when angels show up in the Bible, what happens? They say, do not be afraid, right? They don't even say, do not be afraid. I think they're so overwhelmed by what happened. They're not even, a couple of, what are you guys doing here? And then they say, there's no such thing as a stupid question, right? I'm saying this is a stupid question. Unless you're an angel who knows what just happened, here's what the angel said. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Duh, we never saw anybody go up in the sky like that before. Not even Jesus, But I think they asked the question to get them back to the reality that what was happening here is Jesus had said he was leaving. He left. But good news, he's coming back. In fact, it's what the promise says. Just as you saw him leave, he's coming back. And that promise was for the apostles. That promise is for us. One day, Jesus is coming back. So think about this. This is a very important statement. All of us need for someone to go away 
before we can rely on the Holy Spirit. All of us need for someone to go away before we can rely on the Holy Spirit. You see, maybe you had someone like I did in my life when I was a teenager, Andy Wygant, my mentor. And without him, I would not know the things of God that I know. But as long as he was around, I relied on him. And when Jesus was around, the disciples always relied on Jesus. I mean, when somebody came up with a hard question, let's say somebody walks up to the crowd, you know, there are the disciples in Jesus, and somebody asked a really hard question. Every eye from the disciples went right to Jesus. Jesus, you want to take that? Whenever somebody came up and, you know, needed healing, as soon as somebody needed healing, all the disciples went, Jesus, you want to take that? And for three years, every time a situation came up, the disciples said, Hey, there's Jesus. But Jesus had been preparing these men for three years, day in, day out, by living in the power of the Holy Spirit, showing them the power of God in the Holy Spirit, and saying, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen, and he left. And now they could do what they needed to do. Please understand, we all need mentors. All of us need somebody to show us the ways of God because we need help. You know, we can read the Bible and we can get some of it from ourselves. But if I didn't have Andy Wygant, I would have been in big trouble. But at a certain point, I needed to stop relying on him and start relying on the Holy Spirit. Because if I kept relying on him then I would never become all that God created me to be. And it's the same for each of us. In fact, the disciples needed to move from being disciples to living in the Spirit. And that's what all of us need. All of us need to move on from just reading the Word of God to letting God come inside of us and live out of us in the power of the Holy Spirit so our lives will be radically changed and transformed. And the thing is, when the followers of Jesus were standing around watching Jesus, it was like a car without a key, right? Without fuel. And then Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came and boom, all of a sudden they had that key, they had that fuel. And there are two things that stop us from having our car, the car of our lives, go in that way. Number one is just the the reality that we don't really have the Holy Spirit in our lives in that powerful way because we haven't been taught. We haven't been instructed. We don't know about it. That's the first thing that happened. The, the second thing that happens is that since we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, we focus on why is our car not running? <laughs> have you ever had a car that didn't run? Okay. Now, you know, most of us would say, let's look at the fuel gauge. Well, I got fuel. Okay, that's not the problem. So then we go, I better call my mechanic. That's what I do, you know. But you might not do that. You might say, well, it could be the carburetor. It could be this. My dad always told me, you either need, you know, you need a spark, you need fuel, and you need air. If you have those three things, the engine will go. So it has to be something like that, right? But that's what we do. We sit around going, well, well, I don't know how the Holy Spirit works. I don't know if he comes. I don't know if he's still working. And so instead of thinking about going out and doing what God told us to do, we sit around trying to maintain the car. And that's what happens all too often in the church is instead of receiving the power and taking off, we argue about you know, whether there's any power or whether it's the spark or whether it's the air or what it is. And so here's today's Well, before I give you the commitment, I just want to share our mission here at New Life. Our mission here at New Life is to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And the only way that mission can be fulfilled is if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world. Holy smokes, we can't even do it with our neighbors without the power of the Holy Spirit. But the truth of the matter is we are called to go. 
you know, and, and we have a plan from Saxonburg to Western PA to the state of Pennsylvania to the United States to the ends of the earth. And, and do you realize that just in Butler County, just in Butler County, there are at least 80,000 people who don't know Jesus? Just in Butler County. If you added Allegheny County and Armstrong County and Beaver County, it becomes hundreds of thousands of people. If you add the state of Pennsylvania, it becomes millions of people don't know Jesus. If you add the United States, 100 million people. If you add the world, it's billions. And not all of us are going to go to all those places. I understand that. But some of us, actually all of us, are called by this passage of Scripture once we have the power of the Holy Spirit to go to some of those places to start where we are and go out. So here's today's commitment. I will wait, receive power, and go where Jesus sends me this week. I will wait, receive power, and go where Jesus sends me this week. So if you're here today and Jesus Christ is not currently Savior and Lord of your life, that is impossible. How could we wait and receive power and go if Jesus is the one who gives us the power of the Holy Spirit, if he's not our Lord and Savior. And, and so what does Lord and Savior even mean? Lord means owner. He gets to take charge of our life and tell us what to do. Savior means that he saves us from the sin of our lives and from death. I mean, we're going to die physically unless Jesus comes back, but after we die physically, we'll rise to life again when Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord of our lives. But now, all of us in the room who've done that, we've trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, then we still need the power source. And as we're going to see, I think it's next week, when we talk about being filled and being filled and being filled with the Holy Spirit, you get baptized with the Holy Spirit once, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, me, hundreds of times a day. I don't know about you, because I leak. The Holy Spirit doesn't leak. <laughs> I do. Um, and so we need that. So what we're going to do today it's very simple. We're just going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything, but next week and the next two weeks after that, if you want to, we're going to ask you to come up front at the end, and we're going to pray for anybody that wants to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit to do so. But right now, let's just pray and thank God for our salvation and ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your goodness and love. I thank you for the life that is truly life that comes only from you. And right now, God, if any who heard me say, if Jesus Christ isn't your Savior and Lord, this is what you have to do, let him become Lord and Savior. If they did that, if they surrendered their life to you, God, right now I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit so that they will have that power source to go and to do your will. And God, for all of us who have done that, we've already trusted your Son Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We've already surrendered our lives to you. Fill us anew right now with your Holy Spirit. So that as we go out from this place, people will see you in us. That there, will be a, there won't be a, a big hypocrisy factor in our life. In fact, it will be shrinking and shrinking and shrinking so that people will say, wow, I know that person and, and that's not who she is. That's not who he is. That has to be something different and, and that difference will be your spirit. We pray for that for each of us in Jesus' name. Amen.